0: Hello, Wenatchee. You're listening to Core Community Radio, and this is the third episode of Classic Jazz Travels. My name is Doug Anderson, and I'll be bringing you music from jazz's rich timeline from the 1920s to the recent recordings made by today's jazz musicians. If you're new to jazz, I hope to give you some insight into what I hear and how I learned to listen to this really special and uniquely American music. Last week, we closed the show with Red Door from my good friend Nick Manson's 2008 recording, Mercator. I'll continue bringing you music from Nick and other Pacific Northwest jazz musicians every episode. First, I want to revisit my words about Horace Silver from last week. I had said it was interesting that the album we listened to was titled Horace Silver and the Jazz Messengers, After the fact, and this may be an invitation to those of you who have easy access to liner notes, I discovered that Horace and Art Blakey played a lot, and Horace may have even coined the phrase jazz messengers, which Art Blakey used for most of his career. The Horace Silver composition we heard last week was titled Doodlin'. This week, let's hear another version of Doodlin', this time with the great jazz vocalist Mark Murphy from his 1962 album Raw. Here's his take on the Horace Silver tune Doodling.
1: Using the phone booth, making a few calls, doodling weird things, using the booth walls. I got me a big date waiting for my chick, putting her face on so she can look slick. I enjoy procrastinating because I'm busy while I'm waiting, doodling away. Sitting dining, dinner beginning, started designing, using the linen, talking to my date, doodling my bill, the waiter got salty, you told me to please quit, told oh, the waiter, don't be dizzy, can't you see, I'm very busy doodling away, do you doodle all day, Said the waiter in his way, do you? Doodle all night, told the way that he was right in your doodle and way.
0: That's the way I'm gonna
1: stay. Are you painting things right? Doodle sheds a lot of light. Shoo, I don't know what to do. Ain't hey, nothing you can do. This old doodly you Doodle's is all I want to do. Yeah, that's for two. Why does every single thing I see? Look exactly like a doodle to me. If I, if I ever have a doubt what life is all about, I get my pencil out and commence to do Because I find this very relaxing. Especially when I find that life is really taxing. Those weird designs, they only show what's going on in weirder minds. Because when you doodle, then your doodles find blind Everything that you write just conceivably might be a thought That you capture. Walk up in a wink Doodling takes you beyond what you see Then you draw what you think I feel so lost without my doodling Doodling really helps me ease my mind I'd be tempest-tossed without my doodling when I'm doomed, then there's one thing I find truly—I really, truly want to figure out what my Dublin's all about. Later, the waiter had me arrested, took me to Bellevue where I was uh, tested. So. Had me a doctor probing my noodle For he was half done, taught him to doodle Showed him hidden thoughts that linger Find an outlet through your finger Doodling away Doctor was real nice, told me to be cool Looked at the waiter, called him the real fool Looked at my baby, told me he dug her Got me to doodling so he couldn't bugger when he put his arms around her quite to his surprise he found her Do away Do away do away we just do the lot
0: That was Mark Murphy with the Horace Silver composition Doodlin'. Mark was joined by Blue Mitchell and Clark Terry on trumpets, Wynton Kelly on piano, Art Davis on bass, and the great Jimmy Cobb on drums. One night following 9-11, I approached him at the club. You see, I was nearly killed that day from falling debris and told him that listening to his songs helped me escape the flashbacks and nightmares. While greeting the audience for the next set, he thanked me for my story. Music's medicine, folks. So here's more vocal medicine for you, this time from a magical woman I warned you about last week, Abby Lincoln. Here she is from her 1959 Riverside Records release, Abby is Blue. This is Softly as in a Morning Sunrise. Softly
2: as in a morning sunrise The light of love comes stealing Into a newborn day A glow of sunrise A burning kiss is sealing The vow that all betray For the passions that thrill love And lift you high to heaven Are the passions that kill love And let you fall to hell In a morning sunrise, the light that gave you glory will take it all. that real love and lift you high to heaven are the passions that kill love and let you fall to hell so ends each story softly as in a morning sunrise the light that gave you glow
0: was Abby Lincoln from her 1959 album, Abby is Blue, with Softly as in a Morning Sunrise. Abby released three records that sort of fell into the popular jazz singer mold, all with the stereotypical beautiful picture of her on the covers. She at the time was married to drummer Max Roach, and the two of them collaborated on a few records that were far more politically charged due to the trying times during the early days of the civil rights movement. We'll explore some of that music during later episodes, and we'll also spin backward to earlier jazz singers. But right now, let's slide back to the 30s again, because I want you to hear one of the early saxophonists that kind of broke trail for a lot of tenor players. The year was 1939. The band, Count Basie and his Kansas City Seven. The tenor player, Mr. Lester Young. Here's Lester Leaps In. That was Count Basie in his Kansas City 7 with Lester leaps in. With Lester on tenor, Buck Clayton on trumpet, Dickie Wells on trombone, Count Basie on piano, the great Freddie Green on guitar, Walter Page on bass, and the fabulous Joe Jones on drums. Let's swerve back to the rhythm section and a really fantastic bassist, Oscar Pettiford. Oscar played in the early days with saxophonist Charlie Barnett and also toured with the great Coleman Hawkins. He jammed at Minton's Playhouse in Harlem with Dizzy and others and led his own sessions on 52nd Street. The next song comes from his 1955 album, Another One. This is Bohemia After Dark. was Oscar Pettiford with Bohemia After Dark from his album Another One, with Oscar on bass, O.C. Johnson on drums, Don Abney on piano, Bob Brookmeyer on trombone, Donald Byrd on trumpet, and Gigi Rice on saxophone. Let's back up to June of 1955 and listen to the same Oscar Pettiford composition, which also titled Kenny Clark's Savoy Records release. Here's the great Kenny Clark with Bohemia After Dark mm Kenny Clark with Bohemia After Dark. You know, I'm partial to Oscar's version since I really enjoy him playing the melody at the top of the song, though it's incredible to hear Kenny's version, and really neat to hear Cannonball's playing, which we're going to stick with now, but I'm also going to reintroduce tenor player John Coltrane. These sessions are really great to hear because both Train and Cannonball blow amazing solos, but to me, come at them from completely different places. Listen to both now and perhaps you'll begin to hear the differences in the melodic and rhythmic phrasing in the solos. Both are frighteningly good. Both men push the saxophone to new places. This next song is from the album Cannonball and Coltrane and was released in 1959. Here's Grand Central. This is Core Community Radio and you're listening to classic jazz travels. That was Cannonball Adderley in Grand Central from his 1959 album, Cannonball and Coltrane. Were you able to figure out who was whom? Cannonball was on alto and Train was on tenor. If you got that far, what did you think about the difference in phrasing, rhythmic and melodic choices and tone? John is my favorite tenor player, but to me, you can't let the two gentlemen compete. They're completely different animals, and the fact that we've got so many recordings of them playing together is really special. Well, let's slide towards the piano bench for this next song. Pianist Herbie Hancock performed with the Chicago Symphony at age 11, had a steady gig with trumpet player Donald Byrd before getting his own contract with Blue Note Records, and also spent several years holding down the piano chair in Miles Davis' band. He's one of the greats on the timeline, and has always progressed, both with his music and his technology. He was an early Fender Rhodes fan, and also was quite into synthesizers, which reminds me of his crossover hit Rocket, which I remember getting video airplay on MTV back in the day. This next song is from yet another great album recorded in Inglewood Cliffs, New Jersey, in Rudy Van Gelder's studio. This is from his 1965 album, Here's Maiden Voyage. That was pianist Herbie Hancock from 1965 with Maiden Voyage. Herbie's joined by Freddie Hubbard on trumpet, George Coleman on tenor saxophone, Ron Carter on bass, and Tony Williams on drums. Interesting finding information on the song structure and discovering a little bit about what they call modal jazz. For those of you without musical training, the way people used to solo was over the song's chord changes. With modal playing, one solos using musical modes for the song structure, which allows for more latitude with both harmony and improvisation. For more information, search modal jazz on the web and see what you find. Well, let's continue with the piano. Chick Corea My teen and early college years were filled with what they call jazz fusion. Chick was an early bird to that party and played with Miles on the early funk fusion Bitches Brew sessions and his work with Return to Forever in the 1970s progressed electric jazz up a few notches. But he's never caught in one area of the jazz spectrum. He's played duos with the great Gary Burton. He's been in large electric groups and small ones. He's also done acoustic playing, which leads us to our next recording. Here's Quartet Number 2, Part 2 from Chick's 1981 album, Three Quartets, on classic jazz travels. That was Quartet Number 2, Part 2, from Chick's 1981 album, Three Quartets. Chick was joined by Eddie Gomez on bass, Steve Gadd on drums, and Michael Brecker on tenor. Part 2 of Quartet Number 2 was dedicated to John Coltrane, and to me, it offers a great energy and a tribute to John's playing. The drum solo is really special to me because of how Steve builds from a soft reaction from the previous solo, using his cymbals and continues into a rhythmic interpretation of the song form. There's another of the albums that you need to get if you're planning on building a new jazz library. We'll hear more from all these guys in future shows. Let's finish up with a local tenor player. I moved home for nine months a few years ago intent on going back to college to get a second degree, this time in music education. Chuck Israels had recently vacated the spot as director of jazz studies, and Vancouver saxophonist Mike Allen walked on as jazz coordinator. He's a fabulous player who spent time in New York City studying and playing in the 90s and has been performing all across Canada and the States for years. He's got a brilliant tone, amazing facility, and now he's a great friend. If you get a chance to get northwest to Bellingham or to Vancouver, check out Mike. Here's a tune from his 2012 release, Faculty Jazz Collective. He's joined by Miles Black on piano, Adam Thomas on bass, and one of the best drummers I've ever heard, Bellingham drummer Julian McDonough. This is Move Over Blues. Enjoy, and thanks for listening to Classic Jazz Travels.